0: Your Money Today, Carolyn Wright, wraps up the current series of chats on financial lessons we should have learned from history. Good morning, Carolyn.
1: Good morning. In Your Money Today, I'm joined again by Richard Harris, the CEO of Port Shelter Investment Management, to continue our discussion looking at how we should be learning lessons from financial history. And this time we're coming bang up to date. You may remember last time we were talking about a bit of FOMO and crazy things happening in the financial world, despite everything we should have learned. And this time we're going to look at crypto and what's been going on there in the last couple of years. So, Richard, from your perspective as someone who's been in the financial world for quite a while, What's been going on?
0: Well, you know, we've had the internet come on uh, the scene. I mean, when I first started in the market, we were actually handwriting tickets to buy and sell shares, which were then carted all around town by um, asthmatic old men on trolleys going between each other. Uh, But, of course, now we're in the age of digital money, and along comes a technique, if you like, of creating a coin. It's not really a currency. It's not really a commodity. It is more of a coin that appears to have some value. And and what was basically done was you had to mine this coin using a mathematical calculation. Uh, And when you had this coin, it was worth something. And of course, as we all know, uh, looking back at the history of crypto, crypto started at almost nothing and rose to something like $60,000 per coin, which always makes me feel a bit sorry for the man who paid for a pizza for his kids back in around 2016, um, only to find that, you know, at one time that pizza probably cost several million dollars.
1: Absolutely. He thought he was getting a good deal at the time. And I, and I think you're, you're getting to the point of something important there, that when coins were first invented, they had some worth to them. You know, you get a gold coin, you get a silver coin, the, the metal was seen as, as having a value. And I, and I think in the world of crypto, there is an aspect of, like you say, it's a reward for doing some work work and helping to solve a problem. But again, are we in a situation where there are people who are getting too greedy, and they're coming up with ideas that maybe are just a bit too much of playful and not really doing anything valuable?
0: Well, you're right. You know, coin in the old days was something like a piece of gold. It's not quite the same to print out a, a picture of a Bitcoin sign and stick it on your notice board. You know, that doesn't have any value. So it is true that the real expansion of value came from the last man in, the, or the last woman in, people diving in because it, it was going up. But there were one or two interesting elements to it. One was the fact that, in theory, Bitcoin was limited. You could only uh, mine so many. So in theory, there was a limit on the money supply. And if there's a limit on supply, then in theory, the price should go up. So that was kind of an attractive thing. Of course, that was undermined by other people inventing new coins, which meant that people could bet on uh, other things as well. But I think probably there was a narrative that came through that was very powerful, which is that Bitcoin was, if you like, the people's coin. There was nobody controlling it. There was no central bank or government. So it was an easy narrative to say, look, we, the people, can uh, separate ourselves from the dastardly ruling classes who are controlling money and controlling stuff and um, enriching themselves, etc. And I think that was quite an attractive narrative for a lot of people.
1: I think you're absolutely right that it was that, let's stick it to the man and let's stick it to the system and we'll go and do this by ourselves. But... Why do you think people didn't see some of the spectacular crashes coming that have happened when we had, you know, a lot of these meme coins that really did seem to be just a bit daft?
0: that's right and and then you also had the the issue of um people producing coins against art and and, and against uh, other things so you know it was interesting how the creativity went and let's not forget that many of these coins still have a value and are still around and are still traded so they haven't gone away but i think that the the main issue was really that People were going after price rises, and that seemed to be attractive. People were looking at alternatives, and that seemed to be attractive. And one of the most interesting things in the traditional financial markets is that gold hasn't really moved in the way that we would have expected it in an inflationary environment. And I suspect that's partly because people have also seen, well, gold, you know, what is it? It's a metal that people have confidence in, and they have for 5,000 years, but you can't eat it. You can't get a dividend from it. Maybe you might be able to load it out against collateral or something and make money that way. And the problem was Bitcoin is the same thing. You can't eat it. You can't get any real income out of it. So when things start to slow down and people don't follow each other, there's no real return coming from it.
1: Let's look at how the system has responded to the rise and possible fall of certain of the, the cryptocurrencies. How has the system been reacting? Because this is something so new and so different that I think the problem is playing a game of catch-up.
0: Well, that's right. Certainly, if you're looking at how does the existing system react you know the you had this red mist descending on people which which became quite concerning because when bitcoin was something like three trillion dollars in terms of market cap of course if there's a crash suddenly three trillion dollars of real value is lost out of the market so i think central bankers were concerned But they were rather slow about, and still are, I would say, about bringing in proper regulation, or about saying that existing regulation follows it. And we have seen a series of swindles Um, in in the various uh, markets with some of the exchanges coming through, um, uh, where basically people thought they had a lot of value, they thought they owned a lot of Bitcoin, but in fact it was all either some kind of pyramid scheme uh, that meant when these exchanges collapsed, they didn't have the money. And we're seeing a number of these come through, and a number of exchanges just holding on despite the thinking that You know, the whole thing is rotten. Um, So I think the system, uh, the official system has not reacted very well to it. It did not react fast enough. Uh, And we have seen a number of swindles that the regulated system is supposed to prevent.
1: I think this is definitely a lesson throughout financial history. There'll always be swindlers out there who who will try and hoodwink you. So what do you think the lessons are that you should be uh, learning from history if you're wanting to invest in cryptocurrency, tokens, whatever you want to call it nowadays?
0: Well, I think one of the lessons is that Although I've been rather disparaging about the whole uh, coin-crypto movement, there are some lessons learned. Of course, we've got the technological technique, if you like, of blockchain that started to develop, which is a way of distributing information a- among all the parties so that everybody knows. It's kind of like having a bank statement by everybody that's continually updated. That's been good. And the other thing, of course, digital money is here to stay. Money's always been done in numbers. And even when we had paper bank accounts, they were full of numbers. So it's not too difficult to actually create digital money. And and many countries are looking at that. And of course, these days, uh, a lot of people just pay everything by telephone, except for the good old taxi who still likes grubby notes. (laughs) But actually... Yes. If I remember rightly from your own experience, you have a lot of experience in crypto too. What do you think are some of the lessons learned?
1: For me, the lessons learned are that whatever you're looking to invest in here, see that it's involved in something that has a real life use case. And one of the things you highlighted there is very important. Whether it could be something that's delivering efficiencies, that is something great. You know, a lot of people are seeing blockchain technology as a way of really sharpening up various systems, whether that's the banking system or logistics and shipping. It could be any of these things, but I think looking and investigating the real life use case for the project you want to get involved in is very important.
0: So, even though there are issues all around uh, with these new things, there are lessons to be learned and some good things that can come out of it. Well, that was Carolyn Wright, who was actually supposed to be interviewing me, but um, now I'm interviewing her. And just to show that Carolyn is not just an interviewer, uh, but also knows a lot about the markets. I'm Richard Harris, and have a great day.
1: (laughs) Thank you very much, Richard Harris, CEO of Port Shelter Investment Management, who was in fact my guest today.